podcast. I really hope you like it. Have you guys heard about this movie, Sounds of Freedom? I think it's called Sounds of Freedom. Everybody's been talking about it. My wife and I are actually going to go see it. Uh, Maybe you've seen it too. It's about the human trafficking problem in our world. And perhaps you've seen it or you've just talked about the topic. Somebody's got to do something about that, right? Well, my friends at Simply Earth are doing something about it. Simply Earth, it's, it's interesting. You'd wonder, how can an essential oil company do something to end human trafficking? Here's how. They donate 13% of all their profits to end human trafficking around the world. So when you buy your essential oils from my friends at Simply Earth, you're going to do your part to help end human trafficking. I want to encourage you to check out this company. These are dear friends of mine. They're based out of Wisconsin. Uh, They're some of the best people I've ever met with uh, hearts for the Lord and a desire to help people, both to help you make the air in your home toxin-free, but also to end human trafficking. Essential oils can be confusing, but they make it easy. The Simply Earth Essential Oil Recipe Box is going to help you gain confidence and clarity in using essential oils to help make your home toxin-free. Here's how it works. Receive the recipe box with four pure essential oils, six recipe cards, and extras. Learn how to use your essential oils while making the recipes created by certified aromatherapists. Save money, detoxify your life, and again, buy from a company that changes the world. They give 13% of all their profits to end human trafficking. This is an incredible company changing the world, helping make the air in your home toxin-free. Detoxify your home and be a part of changing others' lives at the same time. How cool is that? The essential oils are affordable. They're also 100%, 100% pure. You got to check them out. These recipes are made by certified aromatherapists too. So you're going to be able to not just get the essential oils, but you're going to know what to do with them. The oils alone would cost over $100 from other companies, but with Simply Earth and their essential oil recipe box, you get four pure oils, six recipes, and extra ingredients for only $39. And when you subscribe, you get a free big bonus with even more natural goodies. All right, check them out. Using essential oils to support your wellness doesn't have to be overwhelming. Have fun making the home toxin-free. Simply Earth's essential oil recipe box is coming your way when you go to our url simplyearth.com slash west and when you do you're going to get a free 80 milliliter essential oil diffuser when you subscribe using our url simplyearth.com slash west what's up everybody welcome to another episode of the matthew west podcast i'm your host matthew west and as always i really hope you like it Thank you for joining me today. I want to say thank you to my friends at Kingdom Bound Festival in uh, upstate New York, Darien Center to be exact. Although if you're flying, you're flying into Buffalo and you're headed to Kingdom Bound. Amazing time with amazing people, an awesome Christian festival. And that's what summer really is dominated by the chance to travel and play some summer festivals. And I always love the chance to take a break from the extreme humidity of Nashville and head to uh, upstate New York. So had a great time there. want to say thank you to everybody who came out. Some of these festivals is actually like my first time headlining the festival, which has been a blast. And uh, that was the case of Kingdom Bound. So back from the road, not playing too many concerts this summer, kind of a little bit lighter focusing on some family time, but uh, still a few chances this summer to come and see us. We'll be uh, Williamsburg, Virginia this coming weekend. Summer Nights concert at Bush Gardens, Conway, South Carolina, Langston Baptist Church, July 30th. Plymouth, Indiana on the Fast Track to Praise event, August 26th. I'll be in Mesquite, Texas on September 9th, and then uh, headlining the Kansas State Fair on September 13th, Abbey Fest in uh, Pennsylvania on September 16th. So, And then we've got a very big announcement coming up very soon about our fall tour plans. So get ready, and there's going to be some uh, pre-sale options, so make sure that you are signed up at MatthewWest.com to receive the updates, and you'll get early access to get your tickets before the VIPs go away. Very excited about what's to come this fall, and I think you're going to be excited as well. 
What else? I took my daughter Delaney, a little surprise concert event. I actually took her to see Ed Sheeran, Nissan Stadium in Nashville. A lot of times, you know, people will ask, well, if you're a Christian artist, do you go to non-Christian concerts? And the answer to that is it really depends on who the artist is, what their music is about, and um, if I think it's going to be sort of a safe for the family thing. But I also think it's important to kind of soak up live music and... I always find it inspiring, even if the type of music isn't really my type of music. There's always different ideas and inspiration you can get. And uh, we had a good time at that concert uh, singing, uh, what's that song? Uh, Maybe we found love. He, he like writes these old school love songs. That That's the Ed Sheeran I like, is the, uh, I'm thinking out loud. Uh, now I can't even remember it. <laughs> Try to sing it. Oh, when your legs don't work like they used to anymore. It's like this old school love song, you know, like a wedding song. Anyways, that was my favorite part of the show. And he actually said, he's like, now this is the part of the show where I play songs that even your grandparents know, which I thought was funny. But it was a fun bonding time with my daughter, Ladybug. Of course, our preferred concert to go to is you know, go see a Christian music show, Toby Mac or uh, Elevation was in town and we missed that one. We couldn't go that night, but fun making memories with the kiddos. Also took Delaney and her friend on another night to this new ice cream place in Nashville called Chillin'. And uh, they found out about it on social media, but they make your ice cream with like liquid nitrogen or something. It was, it was like a science experiment, but... Uh, the only bad ice cream is no ice cream. Am I right? So I don't care if you make it with liquid nitrogen. I don't care what you make it with. Just give it to me, okay? It was delicious, though. I, I feel like it had whatever the funky science or recipe behind it, it was rich and creamy, and it was a summertime delicious treat. We also got this uh, ninja creamy thing at the house, and I've taken it over, and I'm making like this protein ice cream. Because I've been trying to be healthy, you know. Speaking of healthy, I've been getting my steps in. Are you getting your steps in? I'm, I'm aiming for like 12,000 steps a day if I can. And uh, sometimes it'll be the end of the day and, I'm, and I haven't reached my goal. And so I'll go in the backyard and just walk laughs in my backyard. <laughs> I'm also aware that Mrs. West posted a video on her Instagram at the Emily West. And, uh, yeah, she posted a, a video of me working out, and I didn't approve it. I didn't know she was filming. And, you know, it was hot. I was getting my workout in, and I would, thought I was just working out by myself, and so I, was, I had my shirt off, and she took a video and put it to the Rocky theme song, and... Uh, I was highly embarrassed that she did that. And I told her, I said, why, why would you post that? That gun show was just for you, babe, not for the whole world to see. <laughs> okay. Anyways, so me and Mrs. West were always like kind of going back and forth, like, don't post that. Don't post that. Why you do that? But she thought it was funny because she was chilling and not working out. And I was, I was trying to get my workout in. But so thanks, Mrs. West, for the embarrassment there. The other person who's been happy about me getting my steps in is Rocky. Rocky the dog loves going for a walk. I mean, loves it. Goes to the door, jumps in the car as fast as he can, barks and cries until he gets to the location. Just, I mean. So me and Rocky have been getting our steps in. It's been fun. Oh, to balance out the exercise, I went to this place, my favorite taco place in Nashville. I took Emily for a lunch date called Ladybird Taco. Delicious. If you ever come to Nashville, maybe if you come see me for our Christmas weekend, you can make a stop at Ladybird Taco. They're like Austin, Texas-style breakfast tacos. Delicious. Speaking of Christmas, I want to say thanks for all the positive feedback for um, the song. I, I kind of shared a little, little work tape of a brand-new song I wrote called Because of Bethlehem, inspired by Max Licato's book. 
And uh, a lot of you sent some uh, feedback in saying that you really liked that new song. And so um, I'm putting plans together to possibly record and release that song this year. So stay tuned on that. And uh, But I love the chance to share stuff like that with you guys. And, you know, it's like while it's still cooking in the oven. It's not done yet, but what do you guys think, you know? So that's always fun. So thank you so much for the kind words there. In fact, here's a uh, here's a message. Uh, we got a caller that called in about that very thing. Let's check it out. Hi, Matthew. I'm Paris. And I just want to say uh, how much I enjoyed your last week's podcast, which I think was released on the 14th of July. Um, that Christmas song that you had, okay. I like that Christmas song so much. Well, I love it so much. I hope you release it because I would love to add it to my family's Christmas playlist. Yeah, it was just so good. I don't even have words to say about it because I, I loved it so much. It was one of a kind, and I just love the title of it. And I'm actually about to listen to this week's podcast, so I'm excited. Anyways, hope you have a great summer, and bye. There you go. Paris has spoken. So maybe I'll get that song ready to release this year. Put us all in the Christmas spirit, okay? Thanks, Paris. Thanks for listening. I'm glad you like that new song. I'm always writing songs. If I'm not, I'm kind of in a bad mood. But, <laughs> but uh, hey, I'm, I'm curious if you have been singing You Changed My Name in your church at all. I, I was recently at a Worship Together conference in Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, worship leaders from around the country come in for this awesome conference and I was invited to come and sing You Changed My Name and teach him the song. And, you know, a lot of my songs are more on the radio than they are led in church, like a Chris Tomlin or a Phil Wickham song. But as you guys know, on the Your Glory, the My Story, Your Glory record, you know, I really felt like I wanted to write some more songs that were songs that I could lead on a Sunday morning when I'm leading worship because I do that. And um, You Changed My Name was one of those songs, and it just feels like a special message for right now. And, I, and so I'm wondering if your churches have been picking it up. And if not, I sure hope they will. After singing that at the Worship Together conference, a guy I know came up to me. He said, hey, our church in Columbia, Tennessee, has been playing that song over the last five weeks because the pastor's been doing a message on identity, which is a, a pretty hot-button topic right now in our world, as you know. And it really feels like that song is a song for right now in a world that's obsessed with identity it's a song that reminds us that there's only one who gives us our identity and furthermore promises us a new identity when we are in Christ. We're a new creation. So if you're not singing that at your church, I sure hope you are soon. If you are, I hope it's been something that's ministered to your church. And if not, send it to your youth pastor or your worship pastor and say, hey, let's sing this on a Sunday morning, huh? Uh, let's see. Um, come home for Christmas. It's selling fast. MatthewWest.com. December 1st through the 3rd, actually, 1st through the 3rd, there's going to be an epic Christmas concert taking place at this beautiful theater. There's going to be Christmas dinners, special uh, acoustic concerts, songwriter events, a podcast episode. It's going to be an epic weekend, and I want you to come and join me. Get in the Christmas spirit December 1st through the 3rd in Franklin, Tennessee with the West family. Go to MatthewWest.com. Find out how you can get your tickets and don't miss it, guys, because Christmas is going to be here soon. If you want to get your Christmas shopping done early, this is the thing to do. Get that special someone or get your family tickets. We've got couples that come. We've got individuals that come and make new friends. We've got families that come, people celebrating special occasions. Last year, we had somebody getting engaged uh, during our weekend. So uh, it's going to be exciting. Come Home for Christmas is taking place December 1st through the 3rd in Franklin, Tennessee. And I want you to come and join me. Special Christmas tree lighting. Oh, man, it's magical. Did I say it's magical? It's magical. Hey, let's get into today's show. Uh, we've been doing a summertime kind of in case you missed it, revisiting some of my favorite episodes and interviews because let's face it, when you do an episode every week, it's it's hard to keep up for you. And I know a lot of you are out there listening every week, but perhaps you've missed an episode or two. And so I want to make sure that I revisit some of my favorite conversations with some of my favorite people. And it's hard to narrow it down, but uh, when it comes to some of my favorite musicians, 
there is one who uh, tends to stand above the rest because of his impact on my music and uh, what took place specifically when I attended one of his concerts and felt like God was calling me into music ministry as a result. So we're going to revisit this uh, conversation with who I now get to call my friend, somebody I've looked up to for a long time. Let's go to the Story House with a summertime, in case you missed it, interview with my friend, Stephen Curtis Chapman. Okay, so normally when I have a guest on, I ask the question, dear guest, on a scale of 9 to 10, what's your level of excitement being on for being on my podcast? But today, I'm not asking you that question. I'm going to ask myself that question because on a scale of 9 to 10, it is way past 11. This amp goes to 11. It goes to 11. <laughs> my level of excitement in having the great Stephen Curtis Chapman on the Matthew West podcast, it's uh, I'm, I'm kind of jumping out of my skin here, and I'm super excited to have you on the show. So and you never even knew that I was going to ask that question to myself, but I asked it, and I answered it, and I'm excited to have you. There we go. In the season of Thanksgiving, I am giving thanks for the chance to hang with you. Hey, thank you, brother. Well, I am equally honored, and if you had asked me, I would have said also... <laughs> My excitement goes to 11. Um, to get of course, to hang with. you're referencing Spinal Tap, for those yes, who don't know. But. Yes, every musician, every you're not even allowed in, in the music business in Nashville if you have not, you know, had a sufficient viewing of the movie Spinal Tap. Not that we would ever endorse it, Matthew or I, so, no. myself. Yeah, so it, please don't run out and watch it quickly because... Uh, and I'm honestly, I'm not even sure I've ever watched the entire movie myself. But, I know. But, I'm trying to think now. Like, is it safe for the whole family? Because it's no. I don't it's think. Not. No, it's not. I don't think so. I don't think so. I don't. I, I, I've been told it's not. So don't. But but the reference is still perfect. Yeah, it, it, it does go to eleven. Um, there, there is one scene um, in Spinal Tap. It's like for those who don't know, it's this old school like what they like call a them mockumentary. A, a mockumentary, yeah. and they they follow Rob this Reiner rock band. Did it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and it's all and, the great Christopher Guest and all these great, all it's, great, yeah, hilarious. And they but there's one scene where they're trying like they're like they had their pep talk as a band, and then they get ready to go on stage. And the road manager like leads them in the wrong direction, and they can't find the stage, and they're <laughs> and they're just walking through the back hallway of the hallways of the arena. But sometimes, like we have, mo and then they go rock and roll, rock and roll, and, roll. Then, and, <laughs> they, and then they just keep wandering around backstage <laughs> because they can't get out on stage, and they can hear the crowd cheering. And I had that exact moment. My Did first you? like wave of touring. It was in my very first time out on the road. 35 years ago. So I'm just going to jump in. I don't even know what your questions are. Matthew, I this love you. This is great. But I, I'll I just go ahead and just <laughs> tell you what I want to tell you. This is your show, dude. <laughs> I want to hear what you have to say. Let's go. But, but 35 years ago, I did a concert in St. Louis, Missouri. It was the first time I'd played in St. Louis. As you and I both know, amazing radio in St. Louis. They've been so kind to both yeah. of us over the yeah. years. But Joy of to them. me, all those years ago. And I had done, I mean, at this point, I was playing, you know, the fellowship hall. Uh, or the youth room, you know, right. in most places. <laughs> right. And right. so I'd go in. So I walk in the, the sanctuary and it's like a big, you know, I don't know, 2000 seat, 1500, 2000 seat, which is huge at that point. This was pre mega church movement, and all that. And I was like, wow. And they were setting up a concert. And I, was, I said, man, is there, is there a concert in here tonight too? You know, who's playing in here? Because I'm thinking, I think I may have even said out loud, like, is Sandy Patty playing here tonight? You know, because that's when it was. And yes. And they said, no, this is where your concert is. And I remember looking at my wife, Mary Beth, who was at the time my sound man, my merch person, <laughs> my tour manager. My, it was just me and Mary Beth. Yeah. And I looked at her and I said, okay, this is going to be kind of embarrassing because there's going to be like the front five pews and the rest of it's going to be empty. Yeah. <laughs> and so I go backstage, you know, she comes back halfway, like while I'm getting ready. And she says, we've already sold out of all of our, every t-shirt, every bit of merch. And what? she's like, and the concert haven't even started yet. <laughs> and, and of course, she's mad at me that we didn't bring more merch because that was the only thing we had at that point to make, you know, to get to us to make the money. Next town. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, I didn't know. And she's like, I know, but how's it? So this was the day when, you know, I had tracks. And my first song on my first album was called First Hand. And it started with this very, it was very footloose inspired. 
kind of had the dum 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 and it starts with this big cool drum and i'm thinking dude this is my moment i think i'm going to do a rock star entrance and so i'm going to let the music start track yes. starts i'm going to run out on stage with my guitar <laughs> I'm back in the choir room, which walks up onto the stage, you know, the, the typical thing where, you know, you open the door from the choir room onto the stage. I hear the, the drum start, you know, it's a full house. I'm like freaking out. Uh, and I go to grab the doorknob to run out on stage and the door's locked. So I'm literally <laughs> like, I hear the music going. And I'm like, and I'm banging on the door. And it's <laughs> trying to like, get in. Trying to make my rock star entrance. Oh, I can't man. even get on stage. <laughs> what happened? How'd you so get I in? I literally take off running down to the back of the church, like outside, running the back doors, still got my guitar on, and I come running down the center aisle oh, of the church because that... I don't know how else to get on stage, and nobody <laughs> knows what's happening. And my wife is like, what? Is going, yeah. what is going on? And she, so I run up on stage out of breath, jump in somewhere in the song, and I'm like, sorry, the door was locked, um, but here I am now. Yeah, you know what we say to that? Rock and roll. Rock and roll. <laughs> That's exactly right. And actually, the, the people probably loved it that you were running down the aisle, and they had no idea that you were totally out of breath. Yeah, That's they thought, amazing. what a cool entrance, man. That was so cool. That would be a cool story if you're like, and that's the reason why every show begins with me running down the me aisle. running down the aisle. I probably should, but I I, I don't. I, I only did that the one time uh, oh, or maybe amazing. A, a couple of other times. But yeah, that's so anyway. a great story. One time I missed my intro to a show, but the reason is because the World Series was on and I was on the bus watching. It was uh, it was halftime of the show, it was like, a, yeah. you know, intermission. Okay. Right, right. And my team was playing, and I was like, I, I'm just going to sneak back while intermission's going. And I got wrapped up in the game, and nobody came to get me. And the band <laughs> the band just assumed I was nearby, and they sure, started yeah. the show without me. No and was, way. And you're just <laughs> All of a sudden, the tour manager is like running. He's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm watching the game. They're like, they've already started the show. They've been vamping for yeah. 10 minutes. <laughs> it was like Johnny Cash and Walk the Line. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so to go from playing, you know, a church that you think is like, okay, this venue's way too big for me. To all these years later, you got kids dressing up as you for Halloween. <laughs> I mean, what, did, did you see that? <laughs> who was Hilarious. that kid? It was amazing. That's our next door neighbor. Uh, and they go to CP, the kids go to CPA, which is where <laughs> your kids and our kids have all gone to school yeah, together. Yeah. Christ Presbyterian Academy. Yeah. And he is just the biggest SEC fan, Come you know, on. a little guy. And, and so he's like, he wants to go as Stephen Curtis Chapman. For I Halloween. loved it. So funny. For those who don't know, you got to follow Steven on Instagram. Uh, what What's the handle on Instagram? Just at Steven Curtis Chapman? You know, that's probably good. It's is. question. I think it's just Steven Curtis Chapman. I mean, I Google check. it, folks. You Sorry, can find it. Sorry, I don't know. But it's the most hilarious picture of this little kid. And if he says he's your biggest fan, I don't know how old he is or what the rules are on fighting a kid, but I'll fight that kid. Because <laughs> I may not have dressed up as you. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, come on. The record shows. He, he, he. He went all in, you know. He sure did. And um, so I'm so excited about, and first of all, congratulations on the release of this epic new record. And this is the first time in, I think, in my career that that I've been able to say that I am label mates with Stephen Curtis Chapman. I'm pretty sure because when I was starting out in music, I always saw this little bird at the bottom of your right. CDs yeah, because you were at Sparrow Records. And I remember thinking like, Oh, that would be awesome to be on that Sparrow Records. That's just it, it's something about it, right? Yeah. Oh, I know. I was that way as well. And how many records did you make on Sparrow? Oh gosh, twenty, probably. Yeah, probably. I think I think it was about twenty. I think I signed there at one point, and then you had already gone on. But now we're both uh, part of Provident Label Group. Yeah. And that's what this newest release is. And this record is awesome. Have you had the chance to play the new songs live very much right now? Are you in the middle of tour right now, or are you taking some time off? I have not started a tour yet. Tour will be in the spring. I kind of made a decision. So this is 
and you'll know what I mean by that. It's so hard to kind of not take way too much time explaining something that people kind of go, I don't really care. But when I say a new album, this is kind of the first real full album like the records of those 20 that I made at Sparrow that you referenced. Um, I've made a few albums in the last few years, a bluegrass record, which, yeah, you know, was one of my favorite amazing. records. Uh, and it got my dad on it and, you know, my brother and Ricky Skaggs. I mean, it was so fun. But it was a, that was kind of a side thing. And then I did a worship, sort of corporate worship album that was really, again, more geared to, there was a book that I was kind of partnering with uh, a friend of mine, Randy Frazee, our yeah, friend, uh, around that, follow up to the story that Max Lakato and Randy did. So that was kind of a side project. So it's been almost 10 years since The Glorious Unfolding, which would have been my last kind of real record when I say kind of all new music written from, you know, just life and what's been going on in my heart and the world around me and all of that, just like, you know, like all the albums I've done all these years. And so I thought, you know, that's a lot. And it's 35 years from the release of my first record, which is crazy. 1987 is when my first record came out. So I knew this year was going to be kind of a, a year of sort of milestones of, hey, I'm going to you know, I'm celebrating 35 years from the first record. I'm going to release new music for the first time in nine, 10 years. I think I'd love to have the time to really focus on, you know, that record and getting it out and wait and tour in the spring. So I have, to answer your question, I've played several of the new songs live. I've been doing the, like I'll play the Opry, you know, quite a bit nowadays, which I love. I played it when I was 19. The first time I played the Opry was when I was a 19-year-old kid working at Opryland. Uh, back when we had the park. And so I've been doing a lot of that. So I've played the songs live there. I've done a few in concerts here and there. But as far as like playing, you know, a bunch of the new record, I haven't even really done that yet. I've heard different schools of thought on this as well. It's like um, like Eric Church, he, he'll put a record out long before he tours it and kind of let people just live with it. And then he goes out and tours it. And so it almost seems like that's kind of, what this is going to be where people are going to have a chance to like live with the record you're going to be seeing audiences singing the words to the new songs because they've had a little bit of time to live with the new songs right the number one bible for kids makes the perfect back to school gift for girls and boys it's an excellent bible for teaching your child biblical values that will last a lifetime the Adventure Bible is available in five translations, NIV, NIRV, NKJV, NASB, and NRSV, and a variety of colorful bindings. The Adventure Bible features captivating full-color features that get kids engaged with God's Word. Features include Life in Bible Times articles and illustrations that describe what life was like in ancient days. Did you know interesting facts that help kids understand God's Word and the life of faith? Live It, hands-on activities that help kids apply biblical truths to their lives. People in Bible Times articles offer close-up looks at the amazing people in the Bible and words to treasure, highlights great verses to memorize. Over 10 million copies of the NIV Adventure Bible have been sold and recommended by more Christian schools and churches than any other Bible for kids. More information about Adventure Bible plus free activities and teaching resources are available at adventurebible.com. Okay, one of the things that I wanted to ask you about is I read something that you wrote or talked about, about the inner critic. You know, the idea of, um, you know, do people want to hear new music? I mean, at a certain point, I think there's that struggle of like, you know, when we go do shows, there's certain songs that you know people want to hear. When I was reading this thing and Stephen Curtis is talking about the voice of an inner critic, I got so discouraged because I thought, I thought there would come a time where the voice of the inner critic gets <laughs> finally, silenced. <laughs> finally, shut up, you know, but it it doesn't. So after 49 number one songs, do you still hear a voice of an inner critic? And and what does that voice say to you sometimes that would keep you from creating the amazing songs that you write one after the other? Again, you will know this. You know, it's hard for us probably not to geek out and kind of just nerd out on on songwriting and all the things that we could talk about that you and I would speak a 
a language that we would understand and right. others would be going, what are they even talking about? Ghost Rock and roll. What is that? You know? <laughs> yeah. So we'll try to keep it, you know, where, because we want every, all of you to enjoy and understand what we're talking about. But it's a weird world that, you know, you live in when you do create and, you know, your, your life is so much connected to creating art and art that is illuminated by your faith, you know, that is not art, for art's sake alone, but it's art, you know, for the sake of kingdom building and, and communicating eternal truth that's way bigger than you, but you want to make great art that still is the, you know, the best that you can, can offer. I mean, it's just all of this stuff. And then, you know, you have the incredible blessing that you and I both share of having people love so much of what you have created and you have had success beyond anything you ever deserved or ever imagined to the point where, and I, I got to think you've even had some degree of this, Matthew, but where when you bring a new song, you know, to the people who love your music and you say, hey, I want to play a new song. I mean, I've seen two or three con concerts recently where that literally from stage, the artists have said, you know, it's a funny thing. New songs make people have to go to the bathroom. It's so weird. We don't understand what, what that oh, is, but it's like a, it's like a physical yeah. reaction. You know, we're going to play a new song, and everybody goes to the bathroom. I saw it happen. We went to the Doobie Brothers concert. And, and they that said, happened? And they said, hey, you know, they're playing the hit after hit after hit, and then they say, hey, we got some new, we got a new record, and it was like mass exodus. Everybody went to get, to, you know, to the bathroom, to the popcorn. And so yeah. my version is so often, you know, you play a new song for people, and they will say, man, that was good. Oh, gosh. But you know what? Mm. There's never going to be another fill in the blank. You're never going to write. Jeez. You're never going to top, you know, fill in the blank. I will be here. Cinderella, more to this life. Of course. You know, the great adventure, dive. Oh, man, the speechless record. Oh, gosh. Yeah. When I think of Stephen Curtis Chapman, all I want to hear is <laughs> that record. And, and they mean well. Like, yeah. they're literally, what they're yes. telling you is, Steven, your music's been a soundtrack to my life, but yeah, but but the but the hidden subtext is so you didn't really need to bother writing any more wow. new music because I don't really need that. I just need you to sing that song that means so much to me. And it's such a weird thing because then you're like, wow, what a gift and what a what a blessing. And yet, am I wasting their time, my time, you know, to write wow. these new songs? You know, which you know you're not, but you can't. That's that's the insecure artist, oh, at least in me, that says maybe they don't care, and not in a bad, awful, you know, way, but just they don't really not interested. You know, I mean, I have a friend who is the biggest U2 fan in the world. He tells me I'm the number one biggest U2 fan, not a bigger one in the world, and I don't really care if they ever make another record wow. because when I say I'm a U2 fan, I'm a I'm a fan of all that music that means. My high school, my college days, right. Joshua Tree, those records defined what yeah. great music Soundtrack was to, to me. my life, yeah. But if I want new music, I'd rather listen to whatever the new, you know, something newer. And, and so that's the inner critic that then says it's that. And then the other thing that was really weird, we're just getting true confession. No, I love here, hearing this because... This is therapy for me. It may be very discouraging and hopefully <laughs> encouraging in some way too. There was honestly, and my, my sons can tell you, Caleb and Will, who are some of my favorite musicians who ended up helping me uh, actually produce some of the songs yeah, on this record from yeah. the band Colony House. But they could tell you, my wife could tell you, my manager. I literally had several moments, hours sitting in this very room. I'm in my studio here in Franklin. And I had a lot of moments where I thought, I'm not sure I know how to write songs anymore. Wow. And how did that happen? Like, was it all a fluke? Did I just wow. sort of get, catch a wave? Like for 35 years, a really big, yeah. long wave. You know? <laughs> and, and, I, and I had this kind of ability to put words to music that, and put truth in it. I mean, I would go back and listen to songs of my own and go, well, no wonder people say, man, just sing for the sake of the call. Gosh, that wow. song, that the theology, the da-da. And I'm kind of going, yeah, I don't even know how I did that, even though I know it. And I've always been the first to say, and you say the same thing. It's I know it wasn't me that did it. It's God giving me a gift, and it's right. flowing through truth through me. 
But yeah, I do the work that I can do to try to steward that well, craft it well, all that stuff that matters. But literally moments of going, and I've had writer's block and all that kind of stuff that, that any of us do have that do creative stuff. But I mean, to the point where I'm like, maybe these are not even not even good songs. And I'm not, I'm not sure. I feel like I've lost perspective, you know, and some of that is life and grief and stuff we've been through our family sure, and the loss sure. of our daughter and trauma does stuff to your brain and does stuff to you. So you, you lose just some, even uh, a sense of, do I even know what I'm doing here? And, and yet, did I ever really know what I was doing? <laughs> and, and it was Ooh. just kind of God using me and maybe it was crazy. And but somewhere in the process of it, just to kind of jump forward, I really did the same thing that I've done from the very beginning, which is probably why the album ended up being called Still and the mm-hmm. song Still. I think I just, and these will sound like weird, weird words, but I think you will know what I'm talking about. I kind of finally gave myself permission to just write whatever was going on in here and just say, you know what? I don't know. Is it? Does that sound like a Stephen Curtis Chapman song? Does that have enough theology in it? Does that have enough scripture in it? Does that do? Am I saying? Does it sound spiritual? And does it sound? You know, and just say, you know what? I've been through so much. We've all been through so much these last the, the pandemic, the craziness, the racial, the political, the tension, the personally what scabs it scraped off of the grief and the loss for me and my yeah. family losing yeah. a brother-in-law to brain tumors in like five months he gets diagnosed he passes away a a keyboard player dear Mm. friend for many years brian green passes away from covid and so all that stuff is stirring in me and i finally just said you know what i'm just gonna sit down with my guitar and my piano i'm gonna try to silence all those voices all the insecurity all the is it good enough is it what people expect from stephen curtis chapman 35 years later bro it better be awesome because you've waited this long it better be the best stuff you've ever done and it's like i don't know if it is how do i even know so i just gotta shut all those voices out by god's grace and just try to write from here whatever's going on here from the deepest part of my heart and do that and so once i kind of gave myself permission to do that and started getting into just that space that's where this record really came from well, I mean, you answered my question because I was curious how one goes about landing on the title of the album. Because a lot of times it feels like to me like the title of the album is the is that sort of I'm making an arc with my hand, like thinking of an umbrella, like this yeah. sort of that umbrella statement where not not every song is connected, but in some ways I think, and I know <clears throat> I've listened, you know, after listening to all of your records that you make, like you're very mindful and intentional with which songs go on the record and why. And and I geek out over that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? So I know that when you're making a project, you're not just going, oh, I want to put the best, you know, I'm just going to put a bunch of songs on here. It's like, no, these songs all are in their slots for, for a reason. And then there's that umbrella statement of still. First of all, I just have to say like the, how honestly you just shared about the voice of the inner critic about like, that is something that like, whether you're in music or not, like you were saying, hey, we want this to be something that's enjoyable, not just for music people like you and me. But yeah. man, who cannot, who out there can't identify with the fact of that we all have that voice of an inner critic, whatever yeah. it is that we're chasing after in life or whatever it is we're pursuing, or even if it's just a matter of between the battle between guilt and grace, you know what I mean? That inner critic that says, you know, God's given up on, I mean, like what you just said and the honesty with which you shared it will preach far beyond just the topic of music, let alone preaching to me of just like, it's that people might not realize the mental and spiritual battle that goes into picking up a guitar. It sounds, it looks romanticized and poetic and flowery and oh, it's just, you know what I mean? Like I think the outside perspective, but what you said about all this is so important too, because in Christian music, we're not just trying to create some cool piece of music that, you know, people can, that they can slap on a commercial or something like, like you're talking about theology, you're talking about, you know, matters of the heart and from the deepest parts of your heart. And so there's going to be a battle that rages. And th- and I love what you've shared because I don't even know why, but I thought when I was coming into this interview with you, I was like, 
man, I could travel back and we could talk about so many parts of Steven's story that a lot of people are already aware of, or I could travel back and talk about, you know, older records and things like that. But I really wanted this talk. And of course, I'm, we'll do this again, hopefully. Yeah. But I wanted to focus on the new because I think I relate to what you've shared on a lot of levels, too, of just like, here's the beauty of like, I guess for lack of a better term, I always think about my second act. And sometimes I think about it too much while I'm still not in my second act. Yeah, but like right. we think about these like our lives. It's like, man, as creators, as people, like we're growing, we're going spiritually, hopefully. We're we don't lose the ability to say what God wants us to say. God has more for us to communicate to the world. And this record that you've put out, hopefully silence is your inner critic, at least until the next time you pick up the guitar. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. gosh, man, it's so clear to me. It's like who better to deliver a message to a hurting world right now than somebody who's been through the fire like you have and who's also put in not just 10,000 hours, but 20, 30, 40,000 hours crafting a song, mastering the craft of writing. And it comes through in this record loud and clear song for song. So just hear it from hear one voice of a fan and like someone who's looked up to you for a long time that that inner critic can just shut up for a while because <laughs> yeah. uh your voice is needed now more than ever and your songs are as well okay so can i ask you this question speaking of the new album then all right there's songs that go on the radio right yeah. and then there's i in fact when you came on for the interview i was uh i was listening i think to track nine or something like that because i like to go like i want to listen to the whole record right and i feel like we are living in a world right now where you know Sometimes people are going to find one song and they're not going to hear the whole album. And that breaks my heart. Does that yeah. break your heart? Oh, as much? gosh. <laughs> Big time. Yeah. So, okay. So tell the everybody watching this right now or listening to this, I should say, which is my mom and my dad. So we have two yeah. listeners today. <laughs> if there was one song, and I know this is probably not even a fair question. Yeah. But just like if there's one song beyond the song that people will hear on the radio and they're, they go on Spotify, they go on Pandora, they go on Apple, whatever it is, how they listen, like do not skip this one. And it can be for whatever personal reason or whatever. Is there one that comes to mind off of the still record? There are a bunch that come to mind and it's, it is so hard. <laughs> then like, give me more than one. one. If you no, give me one, more. Tell me all the things. Let me start here because it will be one that, in fact, I've had several people um, mention that, man, I'm so glad Michael, actually Michael W the other night, just out of nowhere texted me uh, and said, bro, Living Color. You know how Michael is. Oh. Like, bro, with a bunch of O's, you know, bro. <laughs> Living Color is like my whole family and I are listening Ooh. and we're just blown away by that song. Uh, it's a story of my best friend in seventh grade. We played marching in the marching band, Heath Middle School Pirate Marching Band. And we got to go to Disney World and march at the uh, Disney Parade. And it was my first trip to uh, Disney. It was my first trip ever really out of Paducah. Uh, on a, you know, we rode a bus all the way to Orlando. We had to raise our money to go. So I just tell that story. But my best friend was a uh, uh, guy who played drums, snare drum beside me, Carlton Bell. He was black. With all that started happening in our world in these last few years, especially racial division and all, and just wanting to respond in some way, wrestling with it like we do, like I do, you know, through music. That's how I process my own you know, ponderings and wrestlings and all that's going on and looking at the world and trying to respond in a responsible way. So I wrote the song uh, really just telling the story about my my best friend um, and, and got really honest because, you know, as, as you know, I mean, we walk such a fine line, especially now when you say something and speak something, you know, is it going to be received in the way you even mean it right now? Or is it going to do more harm than good because you're trying to do good, but without even meaning to, you offended someone or you said it wrong. And so I was like, so scared to even do it. And I say it even in the lyrics, I'm scared to even write and sing this song because I don't want to say the wrong thing. So Jeez. that's that's one that really was was very powerful. Can I read a lyric from it? Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. The chorus, and his skin was dark and my skin was light, but all we saw was a friend in each other's eyes and our blood ran red in both our hearts and we were looking at the world in living color. Come on, man, that's... That's professional, not only professional songwriting, but powerful storytelling. That one's a special one. That one's really special, obviously, for very personal reasons. And that was one, honestly, I had to give my, myself permission to write. And then I played it for a bunch of people, friends, family, 
friends that are black and said, can I even record this song? Am I stupid to even put this on a record? Because I don't want to, you know. Anyway, so that one's got a lot of. And I take it their response was, no, it must was, be Oh, said. you got to You got to yeah. yeah, you got to do this. So the songs that you know you've been the most vulnerable on, not to say that, oh, well, this song I wasn't very vulnerable in writing. I mean, to write any song is to be putting yourself out there. But, you know, I can point to certain songs where I'm like, wow, like I'm actually scared to say what I just said. Yeah. Do you find that sometimes those are the songs that then wind up resonating the deepest with listeners too? Like, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Isn't that interesting? Just people just, yeah, like, man, I, 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 I felt like you, you were really just being honest, and and that invited me to be more honest with myself, and invited me to be, yeah. Oh, absolutely. You guys, my dogs, Nick and Rocky, they're crazy. Matter of fact, we just got back from a walk and it had rained earlier in the day. I thought it dried up, but it didn't. I got two wet dogs <laughs> that need a bath, but I figured I'd deal with that later. Instead, I want to talk to you about how much our dogs love eating Sundays. Sundays is a healthy dog food that's actually easy to store and serve. They've got a new turkey recipe that the dogs seem to love. It's the most palatable recipe yet. And it makes me feel good to feed my dogs such healthy food. Sundays is zero prep, zero mess, and zero stress. It's fresh, done better. Unlike other food brands, they don't add any synthetic or artificial vitamins, minerals, or flavors. The food is naturally complete and balanced. Sundays does not require refrigeration either, and it can be stored in your pantry or right on your countertop. Sundays is air-dried dog food made from a short list of human-grade ingredients. It was co-founded by Dr. Tori Waxman, actually a practicing vet. Sundays contains 90% real meat, 10% vegetables, fruits, and whole grains. In every recipe, you're going to find natural digestive aids like pumpkin and ginger, plus disease-fighting antioxidants. Dog parents report noticeable health improvements in their pups, including softer fur, healthier skin, and more energy, and a whole lot more things. My dogs love it. Your dogs are going to love it, too. Sunday is shelf-stable, lightweight, and easy to travel with if you're on the go. Every order ships right to your door, so you're never going to have to worry about running out of dog food again. Plus, get 20% off and free shipping on every subscription order. Sundays cost 40% less than other healthy dog food brands because we don't waste money shipping frozen packages. Instead, we spend on what matters, sourcing the best all-natural ingredients for your dog. We worked out a special deal for the dog-loving listeners of the Matthew West Podcast. That's the kind of guy I am. Get 35% off your first order of Sundays. Go to sundaysfordogs.com slash West or use code West at checkout. That's S-U-N-D-A-Y-S-F-O-R-D-O-G-S dot com forward slash West. Upgrade your pup to Sundays and feel good about the food you feed your dog. song called Love Now is one. Okay, good. I'm glad you're going to another one because I was going to say, <laughs> I felt bad for asking you to pick no, one. No, it's okay. <laughs> uh, Love Now, we, uh, I mentioned my, my, uh, my wife's brother. She has one sister. Jeannie lives in Ohio. Her husband, Barry, salt of the earth, amazing guy. Drove a backhoe for the gas company for 30 years. Retired just a couple of years ago. Came to faith at, uh, as a young adult when he married uh, Mary Beth's sister. So didn't grow up in the church, had just this simple but very sincere, deep faith, and didn't really say much. But when he opened his mouth, you knew it was going to be something kind and it was going to be something meaningful. And I just loved hanging around him. During the pandemic, um, it was a couple of years ago, started slurring his speech. And within five months, uh, he passed away from five cancerous brain tumors. And just, and just one of those where I'd never walked with someone as closely, who knew that God could heal him and believed he could, but also had a real sense that it probably wasn't going to and had to wrestle with and grapple with, I'm leaving my wife, my grandson. I wanted to spend my, my life with my grandson. I mean, it was just so brutal and so painful. And to watch him just, you know, decline physically um, to where he couldn't speak, um, to where he couldn't walk. And yet he's 62 years old. And, and, and then, uh, for him to you know pass uh, so quickly, and while I was writing so much of this record, I kept going back to the guys I was working with, producers, guys. I I, I did some co-writing and writing with guys that I hadn't worked with before, um, just in an attempt to kind of grow and learn and e explore some new things. And 
I would go back over and over again and say, guys, I just, as we're writing this song, I sat down last night and I tried to sing this song sitting across from my brother-in-law and I, I couldn't do it. I got to rewrite some things because if it can't stand up looking in the eyes of my brother-in-law who's staring at his death yet holding on the hope, then, then it just, it's not true enough, you know? And that was a heavy, heavy thing to carry through this, but I was so, I wanted to just steward that season in the right way. And so we went and buried Barry uh, in Ohio, went to celebrate his life. And I sang at his memorial service. And did you, you wrote Scars in Heaven with Mark, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We sang, I, I sang that. You did at, Scars in Heaven? At his funeral. Yeah, Scars in Heaven. I think I even, if I didn't text you, I meant to text you after that. I know I did Mark and say thank you for that song because it, it really ministered to Wow. to my sister-in-law uh, and the family. But two things that happened, you know, after his funeral, one after another, his buddies that he worked with just stood up and over and over again. And I, I can't tell it without getting emotional. He, they just stood up and said, Barry was just, he was the kindest man I knew. He was just, it was his kindness. So after that, the service, Mary Beth posted some pictures on Instagram and she said a few things about him and then she put at the end of it hashtag love now and i read it and i looked at her and i said is that like something you picked up from somewhere or or what and she said no it just seems like listening to that and being reminded how important it is that wow. we love right now and i said well number one uh, <laughs> you just became a co-writer of a song on my new album yes. i haven't written it yet but it's gonna be called love oh, now Oh, that's awesome you know and the lyric again i just you know I can said, I read some the, of it? Yeah, the lyric, the verse, you can read it right there. Oh, the says, verse is, I mean, let me just read first. Uh, he said, this just might be the last time I see you on this side of heaven's door. We said, there's no way it's true. We're all praying for you. You've got at least another 30 years more. God answered our prayers for his healing, just not in the way we had hoped. Dang. And we're reminded again, only the father knows when he's going to call his children home. So we'll anchor our hearts to the promise of all and we'll see beyond these tears and we'll listen close for what this moment will tell us while we're still here. Chorus, love now. Don't wait till the clock runs out. All you've got is today, right here, right where you are. Love fierce, love brave, love first. Don't wait, love now. My, that is true enough as you ask the question. And this is why... Oh, this is awesome, Stephen, because it's like, that's the thing you've for 35 years, you've been, it's not a mystery. Like you've been writing songs and then asking yourself, is this true enough? Like, what do I need to do to strengthen this? How do, how can I communicate hope and love and God's grace as clearly as possible? And then the music uh, comes along with it. I mean, that music just pours out of you, but gosh, these are powerful songs and I know everybody's going to be going and, and listening from top to bottom of this new album still. And uh, it's just powerful, man. I thank you for unpacking some of those songs with me. If you were a surfer, you'd be the the first surfer to ever ride a 35-year wave. <laughs> there's, there's no surprise yes, that's why. True. <laughs> just hear but just hearing how you think and hearing how you like just you're communicating, like your heart comes out in your communication. So it doesn't surprise me why it comes out in your songs too. So I'm just so thankful for the chance to hear about this record and and I'm 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 thankful for you man this is this has been so special. Thank you buddy. Well, you know I love you. Our our friendship has meant so much to me uh other than the fact that we we never were able to get the skillet liquors off the ground. I still think that's a great idea and uh maybe one of these days that will happen. We will release our Cracker Barrel menu album. Uh, I still think it's a brilliant idea. Yeah, to the <laughs> listeners, uh, Stephen and I once dreamed up the idea of a make-believe band called the Skillet Lickers, and every song would be inspired by the Cracker Barrel menu. So, uh, what <laughs> of we which had we one, are both big fans. Yes. What do we write? Uh, Uncle Herschel's favorite. Uncle Herschel's yeah, <laughs> favorite. Uh, a rocking chair for sale was rocking chair for sale was a great one. Uh, yes, um, we had. Um, now I'm crying in my uncle Uncle Herschel's favorite. Yeah. Tears, tears rolling down on my. Uh, on, on you my, remember the lyrics? Tears rolling down on my potato casserole. Yeah. I can't. Yeah, 
Yeah. Oh boy. Is it safe to say that there are some instances where the voice of the inner critic should be listened to, <laughs> and and maybe we maybe we dodged a bullet there. <laughs> yes. Yeah. There are there are very much moments when the voice of the inner critic turns out to be the Holy Spirit. <laughs> yeah. Saying, do, abort mission. Abort. Do not do not make pull the skin. up. Pull up. Pull up. <laughs> Well, I'm, hey, who knows? There's a season for everything. Maybe one of these days, you and I will be on a Thanksgiving float with Cracker Barrel yes. as the skillet liquors. And I uh, still think that needs to. Yeah. Maybe that's our second act. You know, there we're talking about the second there act. That's right. There it is. Oh, <laughs> hey, Stephen, I love that we got to just focus in on this new album. Obviously, there's so many things that we could talk about, but um, I've just been a fan of your music for so long. Anybody who listens to my music can thank Stephen Curtis Chapman in part for his contribution and his influence in my life and a big part of my testimony. You know, most nights when I'm on stage, I'll share the story of being in the cheap seats at Assembly Hall Arena in Champaign, Illinois, uh, as a college student, uh, seeing Stephen Curtis Chapman on tour. I remember you had a sore throat that night. Wow. And I don't know why I remember the little things, but you had a you had a cough drop in your mouth during oh, yeah. the show. <laughs> yeah. And you told the crowd that. And I remember thinking, like, oh, that's so cool. Like he's letting us in on and you and now knowing what I know, like when I have a sore throat on stage, I'm riddled with anxiety that I'm gonna like suck, you know? Yeah, exactly. And so you yeah. might have been up on stage going, Oh, this is gonna be a terrible show. Uh, yeah. <laughs> meanwhile, I'm just gonna like, go ahead and tell him. <laughs> meanwhile, fifteen thousand people in the crowd are going, Oh, he still comes out here and sings like we were all rooting for you. you yeah, know? I know. Yeah. But uh, that was a powerful night where I felt God call me in a ministry and to tell people about his love through the songs he was going to inspire me to write. And I remember I told you that story. And apparently I had told you that story more times than I knew that I had told you. It was just like a a reflex when i would see you i would yeah. want to tell you and i think at one point <laughs> you're like you're like uh, yeah man you you've told me that before like, i was like oh sorry <laughs> i love it every time it's good every time well if you're looking for a halloween costume next year you can join me and the four-year-old boy uh as we're gonna dress up as stephen curtis but uh, you can find his album still everywhere uh you're gonna be on tour in the spring of 2023 i'm sure Tickets are already on sale. If you haven't seen Steven in concert, it is incredible. Your musicianship, not just your songwriting, your performing. And uh, but when you pick up a guitar and play, it's like, oh, he's a legit, like serious guitarist, which is something I've always I pick up a guitar like a like a, a monkey in a in a laboratory <laughs> who's like looking at it and what shaking it and go, what does this do? <laughs> not true. <laughs> Not entirely true. I've seen you. Play. Yeah, I don't even call my chords by their names. I'm like, this is the bear claw. Um, this is the. <laughs> this is pre arthritis. <laughs> my chord changes are bear claw, pre arthritis. You know. yeah. BC bear claw. That's all I got. It's like one, the four. No, it's bear claw. It's it's a crowfoot. I wish you and your family a happy Thanksgiving and uh, just a Merry Christmas. And thank you for blessing me by being on the Matthew West podcast. Let's do this again soon i would love it bless you my friend hey now it's time for songs from the story house today's song from the story house in honor of stephen curtis chapman is a little song that i wrote inspired by how he impacted my ministry this is off of the all-in record and uh, it tells the story. So I'll let the song speak for itself. I'm going to play just a little bit of the song. So if you want to hear the whole song, it's available wherever you stream music. This is The Sound of a Life Changing. I heard it all from the cheap seats, Assembly Hall Arena, Champaign, Illinois. Just a poor college boy making noise, writing my first songs. Stephen Curtis up on stage, singing speechless, left me speechless and amazed. Tears rolling down my face I heard a still small voice say That's gonna be you someday Telling the world about amazing grace Telling the world about a God who saves Something inside me came alive that day I've never been the same
All right, he's my dad. He gives good advice, and that's why the last segment of today's show is called Dad Vice. Here's a theme song. He is my dad, and he gives good advice, and that's why this segment is called Dad Vice. Dad, thanks for joining me. Send us out with uh, some good stuff. You're coming in hot with some dad advice, right? Let's see what you got. Oh, I've got it, and I got some hot dad jokes, and it's Shark Week coming up. And so I got a shark dad joke. Right, what's a it. what's a shark's favorite sandwich? Peanut butter and jellyfish. Oh. <laughs> uh, you got that? That's good. All right. I'm still possessed with your uh, new uh, record and uh, my story, your glory, double album, and we've been going through the songs. And uh, for this dad advice, I picked out "Praise the Lord," part of your worship album of the two part album, and. Uh, I want to encourage people, if there are people out there and men that you struggle reading God's Word and you know you need to get in it, but it's hard, I recommend listening daily to Christ-centered Christian contemporary music because it's the living word put to music. And Matthew, I've had some people come up to me and say the artist of today, and then they refer to you too, say they are modern-day psalmists, the Word of God put to music and praise the Lord reminds us of God, what God's word says about how important praising the Lord is. Here's some of the words to God, be the glory, great things he has done. He so loved the world that he gave us his son who gave up his life, the forgiveness of sin, the gates open wide. Oh, praise the Lord. Let the earth hear his voice. Oh, praise the Lord. Let the people rejoice. Oh, come to the father through Jesus, the son and give him the glory. Great things he has done. Praise is defined as the conscious admiration and thanks for who God is and what he does. The command to praise the Lord is just that, a command to praise him. We do that by saying praiseworthy things about him. Three things we can learn about praising God. One, the Bible commands us to praise the Lord. In the Old Testament and New Testament, 250 times scriptures refer to praising the Lord. The phrase praise the Lord is seen 32 times in 33 verses in Psalm and 48 times in both the New and Old Testament. That's saying it's important to praise the Lord. Psalm 150 verse 6, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. And then secondly, God is worthy of our praise. Psalm 145.1, every day I will praise you and extol your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. Psalm 145.3, the Lord is great and worthy of our praise. And then thirdly, praise chases away despair. And I don't know if you've ever been in despair. I have. Psalm 103, 2 through 4, bless the Lord, O my soul, or praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. Here's a good quote. Praising God is not a feeling. Praising God is a conscious activity. We praise him thoughtfully, extolling his goodness, his greatness, his majesty, his love, his grace, and his mighty days and mighty deeds. And then fourthly, praise him in all things. 1 Thessalonians 5.18, in everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Someone wrote, praise God in all circumstances. The God of the mountain is also the God of the valley. Praise his name. Now, sometimes it's hard to praise God for what's happening to you, but you praise in the circumstance. And we have a storyteller, Matthew, who just a few weeks ago got headbutted by her dog and ended up in the hospital very uh, injured, but they did a test on her and found out that she had a tumor all along. So what seemed to be bad, God used a headbutt from her dog to reveal a tumor, so they caught it in time. More lyrics, and then I'm done. Oh, praise the Lord, let the earth hear his voice. Oh, praise the Lord, let the people rejoice. Oh, come to the Father through Jesus the Son and give him the glory, great things he has done. My dad advice for today, praise the Lord every day. Write down the many characteristics of God and another list of all the things he's done in your life. You'll have plenty of reason 
to praise him. Lord, help me to praise you today. That's good. And uh, I'm sure we can all think of somebody who, you know, has shown us what it looks like to praise the Lord, even in, in the midst of their battle. And as, as you mentioned, Dad, our friend, uh, we're praying for her as she's gotten that that diagnosis that you know, she thought she was going into the doctor for one reason. God intervenes and, and the, the doctors discover a tumor in a timely manner and um, we're inspired by the way she's continuing to praise the Lord through her entire ordeal. Yeah. Thanks, Dad. Thank you. All right, my friends, that's our show for today. Thanks for listening. And uh, I could talk to Stephen Curtis Chapman for hours. I look forward to having him back on the show. Stay tuned this upcoming week for some exciting announcements in the touring world for us. Listen, if, if my ministry can serve you, pray for you, lift you up in any way, we'd love to hear your story. Go to popwe.org, P-O-P-W-E.org. I send out a weekly email devotional every Thursday called Day One Devos. I want to include you in that list. We've got thousands of people receiving that. It's just a little quiet time email devotional, a little gift from me and my ministry straight to you to help encourage you and remind you to spend some time with the Lord each and every day, okay? And uh, so go to popwe.org today to sign up for that. You can also submit a prayer request at that website. And as always, you can share your story. And that's really what this is all about. A reminder, and thank you for letting me step into your story today. And I hope to do so in a way that reminds you that your story matters. Your story is significant because your story was God's idea. And he has great plans for you. No matter where you've been, what you've done, what kind of chapters you have in your story, it ain't over yet, my friends. So look up, let him remind you who you are in him. Look to him for his plan for your life because it's better than your own. And remember, it's your story for his glory. See you guys next week. I really hope you like it. <laughs> but seriously, I, I, I do. <laughs> <laughs>